Greetings to those of you listening to this podcast. My name is Deacon Bernie Nohadera, and uh, coming to you from the Secretariat of Child News Protection with the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. With me today is Father Hans Zollner, who is coming to us from Rome, Italy. Uh, Father Hans is the president of the Center for Child Protection at, with the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome. Uh, he is looking and working very much so with trying to safeguard children and trying to carry out practices in the Universal Catholic Church. Uh, Father Hans is a German Jesuit, world authority on, on the abuse of vulnerable persons and children. Um, he's a member of the Pontifical Commission for the Protection of Minors and a consultor of the Congregation for Clergy. Father Zollner has a doctorate degree in theology, is a psychologist and a licensed psychotherapist, and is particularly interested in human formation in the training of seminarians and religious worldwide. I have known Father Hans now for several years and have always welcomed his insights and his thoughts. Father Hans, welcome. It's a pleasure having you here. Thank you very much. So we've just come back from uh, Philadelphia where you had a chance to give a... Uh, Reflection uh, in Villanova and also with the Greek Orthodox, our Ukrainian brothers and sisters. And I was very much intrigued uh, with the emphasis of your talk, uh, bringing in more of the theological uh, implications, the theological uh, interactions of all of this. Could you say a little bit something on why that is so important that we bring in this theological aspect regarding the crisis? From the beginning of the crisis in the North American context, that is about 35 years ago, almost all attention was given to legal procedures, canonical processes, trials, and to the psychological and psychiatric implications and treatment. And what was left out, not only here, but also around the globe, was the theological reflection and uh, the spiritual question uh, around all this, uh, what does God tell us as we uh, go through this crisis, this double crisis, as you say here, the crisis of the discovery of abuse cases and uh, the crisis of um, discovering the negligence and uh, possible cover-up by church hierarchy. Um, so what does God tell us uh, in terms of our understanding of our mission, of our being Catholics, of our being priests, religious, committed laypersons? Uh, what does he tell us uh, in terms of uh, how we understand the church and how uh, we understand redemption in front of uh, really pressing questions about justice and mercy, um, uh, about reconciliation and about uh, going forward uh, in an understanding of a theology of vulnerability. And so we're looking at changes that are taking place, perhaps an evolution of how the church is approaching this and dealing with this. What would you say uh, uh, identified significant changes that the global church has made uh, since this coming to light? Now, over the last uh, 10 years, I can say that we have witnessed uh, a growing, first a slowly growing, now I would say a much faster growing of awareness that this is um, an issue 
the abuse that has happened in the past uh, and the necessity for safeguarding measures that is um, present now all over the globe. Um, this is certainly something that wasn't there 10 years ago when it was regarded a North American or Western European problem. Now people realize all over the globe that they have to confront this head on. Secondly, I believe that uh, besides the awareness, there is also a growing willingness to take measures, um, especially in terms of uh, setting up uh, safeguarding systems, uh, implementing guidelines, training people as safeguarders. However, in most parts of the world, you will find very little expertise, very little understanding of the complexity of the issues, and very few trained people. So um, there is um, a necessity to really reach out and to provide that kind of information and uh, of formation. The church in the United States, though, has been at this for quite some time, as, as you know. Um, much advancements in terms of policy and implementation of policies, our audits, etc. Um, but as you said, this is now an international situation. Uh, understood at one point it was seen as a North Atlantic problem, now definitely the entire world. Um, what do you think in terms of the current news cycle, how quickly news travels, the, the fact that the global village is a lot smaller than we think, uh, in spite of all of the uh, advances and, and um, improvements and continued work toward this, um, such a such technology and news and and um, uh, availability of of uh, uh, going from one place to another it makes it difficult if you want to look at the church's advancements in trying to to um, address the situation. Uh, it would almost seem, though, that uh, perhaps the U.S. may have their act together, but all it would need is a headline news from some other place, another Catholic situation, and uh, it's as though we get thrown into that mix again. Um, any, any thoughts or comments in regard to, let's say, um, fatigue, the, 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 uh, the weariness, if you will, the, um, the energy that, that is, is needed to be able to make sure we can overcome this? Yeah, it is, from my point of view, uh, a really uh, um, a challenging task to give people, um, let me say, the, the positive feedback they, they uh, deserve uh, when they work in this area of safeguarding uh, and of intervention. Uh, because, as you say rightly, uh, so that uh, any kind of news that you receive from any part of the world uh, is necessarily seen as connected to your own country's situation. Um, so it will always uh, certainly p taint uh, the, the perception of what people do in good um, and very consistently in bringing about a culture of a safer church when there is something that is reported about uh, any wrongdoing and may it even be 50 years ago. Mm -hmm or 30 years ago, uh, it, it is seen, it is perceived, it is read as if it has happened yesterday. Mm -hmm. And all the efforts uh, seem to be gone uh, for the present one. What is needed is certainly, I, I would say, the support by the church leadership and also the support by the lay people in the pews because uh, like the U United States uh, Catholic Conference of Bishops uh, and all the dioceses, 
uh, I mean, almost all of them have done uh, enormous uh, steps uh, and enormous uh, have shown enormous commitment to uh, the training of people. If I hear that in this country, more than five million people are trained regularly uh, in terms of safeguarding uh, measures and awareness, I mean, this is an enormous effort, um, which very often goes unnoticed. Um, because bad news are good news for the media and not the silent, the constant, the perseverant and the committed work of people on the ground uh, for mm, who are very much committed to a safer church. Mm -hmm. um, I would say it is an exercise in, in a, a new form of asceticism, which means that I deal with my, my feelings of fatigue, my uh, disappointments, but that I also find uh, some possibility uh, to overcome that or at least to work with it. First, by connecting to people who are in, in the same boat and uh, who are interested and, and working in the same line so that you feel not isolated but connected to them. Secondly, that you find your, your own uh, motivation in what you can do and not more that you, than you need to do, mm -hmm. uh, because um, you always have only that at hand, what, what is within your reach, uh, and for what you are responsible. Thirdly, that certainly um, it's important to realize that uh, among the resources, the personal resources that we have, there is prayer, and there is uh, the necess necessary time uh, and the necessary way uh, to find uh, some time, leisure time, and some uh, good time off uh, work and off this kind of thoughts and discussions because it, it can weigh heavily on people. So if we're looking at this situation now and, again, how we approach this, uh, what, could you give an example of uh, an approach that would, that would perhaps take uh, in account from a systemic approach? What would, that, what would something look like? What would that approach look like if we're looking at it from a systemic uh, point of view in dealing with the crises? Now, as I said um, at the beginning, um, this topic had been delegated to certain areas within uh, the life of the church and the life of society, to law and to uh, treatment and psychology. Um, what I think would be necessary for a truly systemic approach in tackling this issue is that we realize that it it is something that has <clears throat> uh, repercussions in any area of our mission, in the parishes, in the schools, in the universities, in social work, in mm. working with refugees. So that it is not only the safeguarding experts who are knowledgeable and responsible for this area, but that every Catholic woman and uh, man are, are at least... Uh, aware of a certain basic fundamental level of co-responsibility for uh, creating a safer environment. And uh, yes, we have experts. Yes, we need uh, training. Yes, we have the offices set up, but uh, it, it needs to be an understanding that this is a common part and parcel of our mission. And um, I would say that um, for becoming a truly systemic uh, response from the church's side, it is, it is necessary that we rely also uh, on uh, uh, finding out what is the Lord 
asking us to do in front of the face uh, facing this um, this crisis now in terms of caring for uh, the most vulnerable ones who are children adolescents and other vulnerable persons so the victims and the survivors that we deal with have you noticed in your travels and in the, your encounters a change in mindset in how survivors uh, feel or think that the church is addressing this issue I can say that I'm in contact with many survivors from basically all continents uh, because wherever I go, I meet survivors and I've been to all continents by now and to about 70 countries uh, in the world. Um, and I can say that, okay, those who approach me probably are of a certain type of uh, survivors um, they, um, and they they have hope, they have still hope in the church. and. They encourage me, they encourage us to, to, to continue our work uh, in safeguarding. What I realized, especially after the decision of the Holy Father, Pope Francis, on 17th of December last year, when he abolished the application of the pontifical secret to the trials um, of um, canonical trials uh, regarding uh, abuse cases, this was... Uh, certainly an effective step uh, in uh, creating more transparency, but it was also a highly symbolic act that um, communicated very clearly that the Pope and the church leadership as such is and should always be more committed to um, just cooperating with state authorities in um, being upfront with uh, the, what has happened and in um, providing documentation whenever it is necessary as a sign of clear and um, uh, uh, transparency um, and, and a commitment to the truth, however painful it may be for uh, those to confront on all sides. The, some of the survivors and victims that I have had the honor of being able to meet and develop a relationship with uh, have made comment that you know if only if only the church and when I say the church the bishop um, uh, was available to hear what they had to say, um, acknowledged and and uh, was held accountable. Uh, you know yes we did we did uh, wrong did take place. Uh, somehow communicate what steps have been taken so it doesn't happen again, and then just offer a simple genuine sincere apology. Uh, a number of survivors asked, that's all they wanted. Um, the role of, of uh, the law, or, or you know, the, and again, in this country, it is quite litigious, uh, in some ways kind of stymied what would have been a, a pastoral response. Um, so hopefully what we're looking at is indeed a change in culture. Uh, we are looking at the human face. We're looking at the presence of Christ looking at uh, the response that Christ would give. Um, I run into often and have asked uh, by young people, uh, a large portion of the faithful young adults uh, that have grown up in the church with the crisis, uh, the state of the church leads, uh, you know, many of the young Catholics who believe that sexual abuse by clergy and the cover-up is status quo and remains unchanged no matter what the policies are, no matter what actions have taken place. And therefore, they lose confidence in the church's near tradition of the apostolic succession since they have seen so many bishops fall from grace. Um, what would you say to those young adults 
who have grown up in the crises church? Yeah, I would say you are right in being very critical and looking very closely at what uh, the church authorities do. Uh, I would also add that um, you you need also to inform yourself and to really listen uh, or read uh, what is being done uh, since many years now in the United States and, and in many other countries by the Catholic Church in a very thorough uh, ongoing formation programs for all kinds of personnel um, in uh, setting up and implementing and uh, really following through with guidelines, which I believe neither in this country nor in, in many other countries, many other institutions do as rigorously as the Catholic Church does. So um, I can understand that the the, uh, the perception and the image uh, has changed drastically from an institution in which you would put uh, basically blind trust to some in which you have now almost blind mistrust. Uh, so there is a there is a sort of uh, um, yeah to some extent understandable um, fear of being deceived. Uh, because you you try to to trust and then there is another um, there's another case um, and there's another allegation and there's another uh, mishandling of a case that seems to have happened yesterday even if it is reported from 30 years ago or so so uh, be also aware that we live in an age in which information is presented uh, as if it happened in the present but it needs also to be weighed against um, the, the, the recent developments, especially if you discover that it, it has uh, it happened decades ago. That is not to say that um, you, you should brush away those doubts. No, they are healthy, as long as you try to balance your view and to see and to appreciate what is being done. Mm -hmm not only now, but also at, at least for many years um, in, in a country and in a, in, a, in a Catholic church like in the United States. Mm -hmm. And finally, I would say you, you can be part of that change of culture because it is not only that uh, the implementation of guidelines bring about uh, the change, but you, the people on the ground and the people in the hierarchy need to understand and need to wish for that ch uh, change, and um, and that is what you, with your energy, with your uh, with your uh, putting pressure on the church's leadership, can also um, ask for. And and I would urge you not to let go of that because this is necessary not only for the church but for the society at large. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share a little bit something about the uh, Center for Child Protection? What what, what is what is this? Yeah, we are committed at the Pontifical Gregorian University in Rome, in Italy, uh, since uh, eight years now. Uh, we are uh, to the training and the formation of church personnel worldwide in the area of safeguarding. Uh, this uh, center has been established around the same time as we held the first um, conference for uh, the church leadership worldwide in 2012 in Rome at the Gregorian. And since then, we offer especially three kinds of programs. One is an e-learning program, or better, a blended learning program, which means we offer e-learning units that can be 
followed by uh, church institutions like universities, uh, school associations, seminaries, uh, and the like. Um, and they offer that to their students or their personnel, combining what we offer electronically online with face-to-face -face units. For example, on questions like um, what is abuse, uh, how do you uh, deal with victims, what do you do with perpetrators, what is the canon law situation, etc. Secondly, we have a, a, a one-semester diploma course in English in, uh, in Rome, a residential program of five months basically, uh, which offers the fundamental formation and training for safeguarding officers in dioceses, in uh, religious congregations, in schools, in universities. Uh, an interdisciplinary approach, that means we bring in psychology, law, canon law, sociology, uh, and theology and spirituality into uh, an, a, le a learner-centered approach, which means we want to train competent persons who are also capable of owning the subject intellectually, emotionally, and pedagogically. And then we have, uh, since three years, we have also a full master's degree that is a licentiate, um, or as, as in other languages it's called a master's degree, a, a full second cycle academic degree in safeguarding, uh, with two specializations, one in intervention and one in prevention. Of course, we have doctoral students and we organize uh, conferences. Uh, we work together uh, with many institutions around the globe and uh, we try to set up a network of Catholic and non-Catholic institutions uh, working for a safer world. Thank you very much, Father Hans. Again, the work continues. The work needs to, to, to continue. Uh, this mission that we have indeed is very important and very much center for the life of the church now, having to accompany those who've been abused and making sure that we're providing training and efforts to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Um, if you have experienced abuse of this kind or you know someone who's experienced abuse of this kind or is experiencing abuse currently, contact the police, contact your local victim assistance coordinator at your diocese, if you do not know what the, the, who the local VAC is, Victim Assistance Coordinator, contact us here at the USCCB, Secretariat of Child and Youth Protection. Uh, you may find our contact at the website www.usccb.org. Father Hans, I want to thank you for taking time this afternoon uh, from your very busy schedule. Um, the work that you do is tremendous. Uh, I'm... I'm, I'm uh, in awe with how you, uh, I mean, you're, you're, you're constantly traveling, um, you're very busy, and yet you always find time, at least when I ask, and, uh, you know, to do things like this. And so I want to just say thank you. Thank you very much for, for doing that. Thank you also, because your work is vital for the United States and much beyond, and uh, God bless you and your team. Thank you. I'd like to end with a prayer for healing uh, for victims of abuse. So if you kindly join me in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Spirit, comforter of hearts, heal your people's wounds and transform brokenness into wholeness. Grant us the courage and wisdom, humility and grace to act with justice. Breathe wisdom into our prayers and labors. Grant that all harmed by abuse may find peace in justice. We ask this 
through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And until next time, thank you, and God bless.